Hey guys, welcome to the Marriage Millennials Podcast. It is 2-21 on September 21st, which is kind of cool. So thanks for listening again, or if you're new, welcome. I'm your host, Rochelle Ham, creator of marriagefrommillennials.com, a blog that discusses God's design for family, teaches women to honor Christ before marriage, and prepares younger women for family. To put things in my real time, as always, the blog is still in the strategically single phase. What this means is that I do not address specific issues about marriage at this time because I'm not married. Instead, my current focus is teaching women to honor Christ before a man and preparing them for a family if it is a current desire that they have. Now, before we get started, I do this all the time, still going to do it. I want to tell you guys where you can keep the conversation going with me at the end of this podcast, as well as some housekeeping for the site. This will be posted on the site, marriagefrommillennials.com. So if you have any questions, feel free to comment below on that post. Or you can also visit the Facebook page, backslash MF Millennials. My Twitter and Instagram handle is at Rochelle Ham. That is at R-O-C-H-E-L-L-E-H-A-M. So feel free to follow and talk with me there as well. Also, the podcast is now on iTunes, so subscribe so that you won't miss a podcast. Just head to iTunes, type Marriage for Millennials in the podcast search bar, and it will pop up. Last thing, if you've been following or even if you haven't, I have created the Dating Detox, which is my first crash course via email that teaches you how to dish the dating game and create your single strategy. So feel free to head to the site and check that out. Um, I want to thank the people who have already downloaded. Of course, as always, give me some feedback. Let me know what you liked or even what you did not like. Again, it's free and it's for everyone from the single and content to the many of you that may be desiring a godly relationship. So go cop that. Alrighty, guys, let's jump in. All right, guys. So I actually was not going to talk about this, but for some reason, I just felt really, really convicted to talk about this issue. Let's talk about the elephant in the room, folks. So if you click the link, then you already know that this podcast is titled What I Will Tell My Future Family About Race. And if you don't know, now you know. Uh, I choose to rarely discuss topics like this on social media, and I more than likely won't discuss it for a while after this. Um, For those of you that may not know me, society would identify me as African-American or a black woman. Uh, One reason I'm selective on sharing my opinions on this topic is because, quite frankly, I don't have to, um, period. There's a quote that says, in this age of I'm sure, I sure would love to hear your thoughts on, I get tired of the sense of entitlement with which people approach those who they deem popular or high profile Christians. No one is entitled to my opinion, especially not on social media, nor is my faithfulness to God determined by how quickly I respond to relevant issues. And I couldn't agree more with that quote. I actually stand by it. So with that being said, you know, I usually don't express my opinions on, you know, politics, race, things like that um, on social media. The second reason I usually don't talk about issues like this is because I personally don't feel like the black community does well with the idea of agreeing to disagree or taking actual facts into consideration despite their emotions. Um, Not to say that the black community is void of fact, that is not what I'm saying. But I found that, you know, a lot of the times when you come up with a different opinion, you're labeled as a sellout or an Uncle Tom or somebody who is trying to be white. And 
that's not usually the case, but usually no one gives you the time to kind of explain yourself. And I'm not going to keep going around in circles and circles arguing with people who don't really want to listen to me. So I often don't feel comfortable publicly sharing my opinions, but I look at this podcast as another room in my digital home. So for this time, I'll be a little bit more vulnerable. Now, in light of the recent Tulsa uh, Tulsa shooting in Oklahoma and all of the other shootings that have taken place, I also like I often wonder, what am I going to tell my future family about race? You know, with all the chaos going on, what do I say to my children and how do I support my husband and our family in our stance on race? The key word phrase here is what I will tell my children about race. Not what I will tell the police about what they need to do about race, but what I will tell my future family about race. I'm putting the accountability on my family. So after doing some research and thinking, I've come up with some things and I've decided to share three of them. Here they are. One, recognize a red herring when you see it. (laughs) What is race anyway? You know, does it really exist? If you notice early in the podcast, I said, for those of you that may not know me, society would identify me as an African-American or black woman. I did not say I am black. I said that with strategy because the honest truth is that race does not exist biologically. Now, I know some of you are about to end this podcast right now. You know, that's okay. Um, for, but for those of you that have chosen to stick around, I know you're probably like, huh? Like, you know, how can she say that with everything going on? You know, there are fathers and sons dying. And here she is talking about race doesn't exist when I'm experiencing it every day. She has no respect or empathy for anyone or anything, right? Well, okay, let's talk about it. You know, I don't mind you being upset with me, but don't be upset with the facts. That's what I would encourage you to do for the rest of this podcast. Um, So here are the facts. To make things as simple as possible, what I'm going to do is I'm going to break down the idea of race for Christians, and then we'll touch on non-believers as well. So Christians, you're up first. Yes. Hey, body of Christ. Mm -hmm. You guys, let's talk, brothers and sisters, shall we? Let's get some clarity on things. Now, logically, if you identify as Christian, especially as an adult, at a stage in your life where you don't have to because no one is forcing you, then you are making a conscious decision and statement that says, I believe in the Bible and not just the points I want to pick out of the Bible, but the whole thing. So guess what, ladies and gentlemen, that whole thing would include, yes, you guessed it, the story of Adam and Eve. And based on Genesis, Adam and Eve were the first human beings created by God on this earth. And after the flood, what we know as the human race followed through Noah, his three sons that were Ham, Japheth, and Shem, and their wives. Genesis 9.19 says these three sons were of Noah, and from these the people of the whole earth were dispersed. It's there. We also know that the production of melanin, you know, chromosome-wise, can produce a large number of different shades, and one of th- and that's one of the reasons why people with lower melanin, melanin or you know, white skin color, is the overall minority skin color of the entire world. You know, we know this, <laughs> or at least I hope we do. So, with that being said, if you're a Christian, which means you believe that Adam and Eve were the founders of the human race then you also believe that there is only one human race. And there's really no negotiation about that. 
the problem is that, you know, we treat Christianity kind of like trail mix, (laughs) you know, like we pick out the not so appealing or the confusing parts and we throw it away. And, you know, then we take the parts of the secular world that we want to believe and we convince ourselves that the sweet fruits, M&Ms, or in this case, the all about love Jesus is the only requirement for Christianity. Therefore, contradicting ourselves daily and getting riled up on a concept that isn't even real based on the exact faith we claim to be a part of. Now, I know someone listening to this, even probably even some of you guys that identify as Christian will say, well, you know, I don't really believe in all that Christ stuff you speak about anyway. So thanks, girl. But no, thanks. Take a seat. Right. Well, okay, let's talk about that, too. While I can't respect that, the good thing about the topic of race is that Christians and secularists alike both agree that race does not exist. Let's check the statistics for those of you who value science over religion. One, the California uh, Newsreel reports in 2008, science has shown that humans simply do not come packaged into a few groups. That's because genes are inherited independently and traits vary non-concordantly. Skin color doesn't cluster with hair texture, blood type, lactose intolerance, or genetic markers for a disease. In fact, there's not a single gene, trait, or characteristic that separates all the members of one so-called race from all members of another. Moreover, racial categories are socially constructed, not scientifically based. Ancient civilizations, like the Greeks, didn't sort people by physical appearance, but by language and status. Even today, racial classification varies from one country to the next. And in the U.S., our own categories have changed over time. Scientifically speaking, skin color is literally only skin deep. The second, Dr. Templeton of Washington University states, Race is a real cultural, political, and economic concept in society, but it is not a biological concept. And that, unfortunately, is what many people wrongfully consider to be the essence of race in humans, genetic differences. The folk concept of race in America is so ingrained as being biologically based and scientific that it is difficult to make people see otherwise, says Sussman, a biological anthropologist. We live on the one-drop racial division. If you have one drop of black or Native American blood, you are considered black or Native American, but that doesn't cover one's physical characteristics. Y'all, this article was written in 1998. 1998, y'all. Okay, let's move on. Three, Adam Rutherford of The Guardian reports in 2015, so a little bit closer to date today. We know, we now know that the way we talk about race has no scientific validity. There is no genetic basis that corresponds with any particular group of people, no essentialist DNA for black people or white people or anyone. This is not a hippie ideal. It's a fact. There are genetic characteristics that associate with certain populations, but none of these is exclusive nor correspond uniquely with any one group that may fit a racial epithet. Regional adaptations are real, but these tend to express difference within so-called races, not between them. So guys, from 1998, probably before then too, up until now, the information has been out there. You know, this is not being a sellout or not caring about your community. This is a fact. So now that we know what the facts are on race, 
Let's check out the real facts of police killings. As of today, there are 324,656,201 people in the USA. As of 2015, um, I don't think the 2016 numbers have come out yet, there are 46,282,080 people that are black in the USA. Last year, according to the Washington Post, there were about 986 killings. The Guardian says that there were about 1,146, so let's go with the larger number. Out of that 1,146 number, 79 of them were unarmed black, unarmed blacks, which is 6.89%. So let's say 7%. Now, this year, according to The Guardian, just so that we keep things consistent, there have been 788 killings so far in 2016, and 33 of those people were unarmed blacked, unarmed blacks. That is 4.19%, so let's say 4%. Now, back to that 46 million number. Guys, do you know what happened when I tried to figure out what percentage 968, 986, or 1,146 is of 46,282,080 was? I got N-A-N. I almost thought my computer was malfunctioning at first, guys. But for those of you that are unaware, like I was, NAN means not a number. And it is the result of undefined operations on floating point numbers, like, for example, dividing zero by zero. So basically, the percentage is so low that you don't even get a number. The percentage of the killings of unarmed blacks are so low that you don't even get a number. So now that we have all this information, guys, and by the way, please educate and research these things for yourself um, as well, by the way. Never take what anyone says for face value, whether it's the media or myself. Research it for yourself so that you know. You know, have, you know, make sure you have your own knowledge of things that are going on, but yeah, now that we have all of this information, let's get back to noticing a red herring when you see it. So when I look at the stats and I look at how low the numbers are of these shootings that are occurring, and I also look at the media and how they spread this information as if people are just getting shot by the boatload, and I see a million of people saying that they're afraid to be black and deal with the police, while I am empathetic, I'm extremely confused. Not only am I confused, you know, I'm really upset with the media for trying to tug on the emotions of the black community on numbers as small as not a number. This is not an epidemic, folks. These things are not happening by the boatload. These are very small instances that the media is putting on blast every time to magnify them as if they're happening constantly when they're not. They're not. And just a side note, y'all, I'm really glad that I chose to only use statistics for this part because, honey, you cannot get mad at me. You just have to get mad at the facts. And that's on you. So this is why I would tell them to notice a red herring when it presents itself, because the emotional grieving of quote unquote race is a multi million, probably billion dollar business. And people are cashing in at our expense. 
No matter how many shootings we see on TV, the facts are that this is a very, 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 very extremely small number of instances. And they play on this number with our emotions to basically slap us in the face and tell us how small we are in our way of thinking. And because of our emotions, we unknowingly help them. I can't support that. I can't. So let's go on to the second thing I would tell my future family about race. The second thing I would tell my future family is to get involved. So even though race doesn't exist biologically, as a, as a society, we have made it real. We made it real. So it's almost as if it does exist, even though it doesn't. We've made it so real that people are still being discriminated against in real life and killed in the street in real life. Even though these shootings are very small in number, people are still hurt and we should still hurt with them. So with that being said, you know, regardless of its origin, in my opinion, kind of getting away from the facts and numbers for a little while, in my opinion, we still have an obligation to get involved and see what we can do. I've seen a number of people on my Facebook say, you know, look at you questions, just quiet, on hush mode. Is this what Jesus would want you to do? And, you know, to a certain extent, I agree. It should always hurt our hearts when someone loses their life for whatever reason. We should always do as much as we can to help effectively. Key word, effectively. So how do you help effectively? How would I tell my children to help effectively? One, you wait for the facts. One of the things I hate to see is a news report of a black man shot, even with video sometimes. And the first thing I see on my feed is a bunch of people saying guilty, 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 cop, guilty, pig, cop, without wanting all of the information to come out first. And this is not because I'm trying to say that, you know, there's no way a police would do that. Now, I don't put anything past anyone. But it's because I don't want anyone stereotyping me before they get all the information that, co that may come out on me. Even if you hear something about me or you really don't get to, you know, hang around me to a point where I'm comfortable with you. I'm going to feel some type of way if you create an opinion about me without getting to know me or, or without getting to know the facts about Rochelle. We all would. So how much more should we wait on the facts when it comes to justice? You know, Proverbs 18, 13 says, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. And if you if you will, guys, just read the whole chapter of Proverbs 18. It is replete with words that teach us not to rush to judgment. How many times does our community talk about how we are so tired of people profiling us and, you know, assuming that we're guilty before innocent and we do the same thing? We're doing the exact same thing. You know, do we sometimes I wonder, do we really want equality or do we want revenge? You know, so wait for the facts, people, because it's the right it's, it's just the right thing to do. The second thing I would tell my children in regards to getting involved is get off of Facebook and get into your community. You know, I had the lovely chance of spending the day with the Lawrenceville Police Department last Saturday. And um, Sam and I were talking and we were even thinking of seeing if we can do like a hangout with them. I heard you can do like um, like drive drive ins with them or sit ins where I guess like you sit in the back and like you kind of see what they do in their daily routines. So we were thinking about doing that. But writing a status about how you're not going to be silent about police brutality, you know, to your 1000 max Facebook friends is not you being the good Samaritan and it's not you changing anything. It doesn't start or stop there. Get into your communities on both sides. Hear the stories and hear how you can lend a helping hand. 
this also goes to my friends that I have that are not black. You know, you guys also have to engage with us to see what's going on. See how we can help each other. Also, build friendships with people that don't look like you or live the life that you live so you can understand the beauty of perspective, be more well-rounded, and that you can teach them what you know as well. The last thing I would tell my future family about race is to be smart about the game. And I want you guys to listen to kind of understand what I'm saying with this. Be smart about the game. You know, while marches and rallies, you know, did work back then, and it's the reason why we continue to do it today, there were a lot of things that, you know, resulted in our marches and our rallies. So I know that we kind of hold strong to that, and that's why we continue to do it today. But I really feel like the bad people out there, y'all, they have simply adapted. And I feel like they look at it like a big old temper tantrum that will go away in a couple of days. And if we really want to be honest, it usually does go away in a couple of days. So be smart about the game. In most places, not even just America, you have to pay to play. That's just what it is. It is what it is. There's no changing it. It's been like that since the beginning. It's probably going to be like that until the end of time. And it's not actually a bad concept. The problem is it's hard for us to to pay to play. But instead of getting upset that you don't have the coins to play or you were given less coins than others to play, figure out how to get more coins. We are focused on the wrong things. You know, does it hurt my heart that people of color are experiencing this? Yes. Am I going to sit around and do the same thing over and over that has shown me little to no results instead of moving strategically? No, absolutely not. The information is there. The major keys are there, folks. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Stop taking a victimized approach and stop allowing people to look at us as stupid peasants. Figure out how to get the coins and simply pay to play. Another thing I would tell them is to learn in, in regards to learning the game is to play the game when you can. Even if you don't have the coins yet. For example, as a child, there are certain things that my parents would want me to do that I would have to do or else punishment will occur. And there is no debate or no discussion. You know, it's do as I say or else we have a problem, right? There is no, well, even though I didn't really do what you said and what you told me to, I shouldn't really be getting punished, mom. Because you know that that's not the right thing to do. It's not that my parents have more worth than I do, but it's just that they are my guardian and they have been placed over me in an authoritative role. In our adult life, the police have as well. Now, it is extremely unfortunate, you know, when people get shot after complying with the law, but it happens and the police should rightfully get prosecuted. If I walk up to you and point a gun to your head and pull that trigger, as great as, as, as great of a person as you are, you're now a person that was, one great, that was once great and now dead. And as horrible as that is, there's really nothing you can do about it besides prosecution. Now, that's one instance, and that instance is the minority. Now, but for those instances where the police are trying to get you to comply, play the game while you can. There's absolutely no reason why a cop should tell you to stop and you keep moving. There is absolutely no reason why you should be mounting off to the police, no matter what 
shooting you saw before. There is no reason for you not to comply with the police, none. And it infuriates me to see people standing up for a lack of respect for authority because that is dangerous. That is dangerous. You know, the black community, you know, we believe that the white community is out to get us, right? So instead of staying alive to get the coins I need to play so that the white community won't get me anymore, why would I take myself out of the game? Now, I'm not saying that this takes the responsibility of restraint away from the cops. I'm not saying that. So do not say that that's what I'm saying. But I am saying to stop asking the police to do their part when you're not doing yours. Stop asking the police to take the high road when you refuse to take the high road yourself. Simply play smarter with what you have. If you get pulled over, comply with the police. I don't care what they're saying. You know that at the end of the day, you may get killed, even if it's not right. And you know that they're going to side with whoever they want to side with if that's what it comes down to in court. So think smart. Take the emotion out and think logically. You comply with the cops and even if they are wrongfully pulling you over or wrongly charging you, you get in court and you beat that tail. You don't need to do it on the street because now you're dead. Play smarter with what you have. So there are so many ideas and opinions on this topic, guys, and I know that we could really talk until the end of the world on this. So that's all I have for you today. I really would love to chat about this some more, though. I really would. Um, give me some feedback, even if you hated it. Um, and remember, you know, I try to use as much as as much statistic as possible just so that, you know, there are no hard feelings. You know, even if you disagree with me, I still love you. And I still love to talk. Let's get some statistics together and talk about this some more. Guys, have a beautiful, great rest of your week. And remember, always find a second thing to be grateful for. The first thing is that you're alive, especially with all the killings going on out here. Again, this will be posted on the site, marriagefromillennials.com. So if you have any questions, comment, and you know, follow our Facebook page, backslash FM Millennials. Follow me on Twitter or Instagram, at Ham. Talk with me there as well. Um, I love you guys always and talk to you soon. Take care. Hey guys, Rochelle here. Just coming to you with a PSA, a public service announcement. The music that you hear on this podcast are by two Christian artists that I thought were not only great for the podcast, but great in general. The first one is Myron Butler and Levi, Set Me Free. That's my jam. And the one you're listening to right now is by KB. It's called Drowning. Uh, listen to the lyrics, love the songs like I do. And if you love it enough, purchase them. Support your fellow Christian artists. Alrighty guys, take care.